Well, as I was uh, preparing uh, for this week, I realized that maybe some of you, um, this, this whole story of Esther may be something that's brand new to you. I mean, if uh, church was not a, uh, a part uh, of your childhood, you, you may not be familiar with her and, and the events of her story. But uh, probably like uh, many others of you, I, I grew up in the church And uh, so I've heard the story of Esther, you know, many different times. And generally, when the Sunday school teacher was presenting the story uh, to, you know, us group of kids, um, Esther was portrayed as this this courageous young woman, a hero who saved her people, which, of course, is exactly who she was. Uh, Unfortunately, as a kid, and I think maybe even sometimes as adults, we get the impression that to be courageous is the equivalent of having no fear, you know, being fearless. And maybe that's because that's the way heroes are portrayed in, in the movies, right? Movie heroes, they're bold, they're audacious, they, they take no account for themselves, they'll risk any danger, they'll face any circumstance or situation without flinching in order to save whoever it is that needs to be saving. And, and, you know, that's especially true with the superhero movies that are all in vogue right now, right? Uh, Those guys, I mean, they can get tossed off a skyscraper, smashed into the cement, run over by a tank, and then they're pop-up and they're still okay and and saving the day. And, um, you know, it's pretty easy for them to be fearless when you're basically indestructible like that. We look at that and say, uh, that's not me. Um, I can't be a hero I am not courageous because, quite frankly, I'm a little worried about what might happen to me. I mean, really, that's what it gets down to, right? I might get hurt, and I don't like to get hurt. And I'm not just talking physically here, right? We don't like to get hurt emotionally, relationally. And so we're hesitant to be bold because, unlike superheroes, we think about what might happen to us. What might someone do to me? What might someone think about me? And when we have thoughts like that, we just don't feel very courageous. But we know, or at least we think we know, that you know, as Christians we're called to be courageous. So what exactly does that mean for us? And if we're not feeling very courageous... How do we get that? Well, grab your Bibles, open up to Esther chapter 4. We're going to continue our study called The Covert God, and we're going to overlap some with what we covered last week. But today we're going to focus on the courage of Esther. Father God, we're just uh, so thankful for the opportunity to be together, to worship, uh, to sing our praises to you, and now to open your word and to study what you have for us. God, we pray that your spirit would be free to work in our hearts and minds today. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so the situation we left Esther in last week was uh, this, or her cousin Mordecai, who, who was the man who raised her, so he was, he was more of a father to her than, than a cousin. He had come and informed her about Haman's plot and plan to exterminate the entire Jewish race. 
Haman, um, who obviously is the bad guy since he's trying to kill everybody, uh, was the second most powerful man in the kingdom. Uh, King Ahasuerus uh, apparently really liked the man and his skills, uh, but based on you know what we've seen uh, so far from the king's character, it shouldn't surprise us that his most trusted right-hand man was completely wacko. Uh, you know, that, that shouldn't come as a, any big surprise. Mordecai uh, warned Esther and, and then wanted her to go to the king to plead their cause for them. Uh, however, there, you know, was just one minor problem uh, with that in that death was the penalty for going into the king uh, uninvited. I mean, that was the, the main operating procedures for the day. Anybody who approached the king without a personal invitation from him was killed. And Ahasuerus had not asked for Esther to see her for 30 days. So she didn't know what was going on with him. Was he mad at her, upset? He, she didn't know what was, the deal was. And um, he was a guy who had a volatile temper, And so it was a dangerous proposition for her to go uninvited into his courtroom. So she told Mordecai that, basically implying, I don't want to go. That's not a good idea. And so basically, Mordecai has to talk Esther into doing it, which, when you think about it, doesn't sound real courageous, does it? He used um, three main points as he was kind of twisting her arm in this. First, he said, you know, hey, since the uh, edict is to kill all the Jews, that means you too. Uh, Don't think that just because you're the queen, you're going to be exempt from this. Uh, uh, Number two, he said, hey, God is going to save his people. Uh, And if he doesn't use you to do it, he's going to find others to to, uh, lead this charge, to, to save his people. He'll go another way. But number three, doesn't it make sense? that he put you right where you are for such a time as this, that, that, that God gave you this position, this uh, title, in order to be here at this time. Doesn't that make sense? And so that was pretty compelling arguments. And so as a result, Esther then did make that decision that uh, she would go see the king. But she asked Mordecai for one favor before she was going to do that. Uh, And look at verse 16. It says, here's what she wanted him to do. Go assemble all the Jews who are found in Susa. That's the capital city where they were located there of Persia. And... uh, and fast for me. Do not eat or drink for three days, night or day, and I and my maidens will also fast in the same way. And thus I will go to the king, which is not according to the law, and if I perish, I perish. So she had made her choice. Mordecai had talked it into her, uh, talked her into it, but, but I believe it was still an incredibly uh, courageous act, a, a very bold thing for her to do because here's the truth, right? True courage is not necessarily the absence of fear. Rather, it's the willingness to do what needs to be done even in the presence of fear or uncertainty, which is exactly where Esther was. And if you are familiar with the Bible and and the overall teachings of Scripture, you know that Esther is not the only person who was called to be courageous. In fact, many different individuals throughout Scripture were, were specifically called to be courageous, but every single believer, every Christian, 
is called and challenged to live bravely and boldly in Christ Jesus. Now, obviously we know when, when there's a specific dangerous situation that arises, such as Esther and Mordecai were facing, we, we can clearly see the need for, for courage like that. But, but maybe you're wondering, well, why? why every, you know, I can see individuals for specific times and places. Why every single believer, why are we challenged to be courageous? Because obviously... We're not all going to face these dire life or death circumstances like, like Esther and Mordecai, where, where the safety or the very lives of others depend upon us. That, that, that's a pretty rare thing. That's not going to happen to all of us. Well, here, here's the simple answer to that question. We have to be courageous because life is hard. In fact, Sometimes life can be downright brutal. And I think that sometimes we forget or or we miss that point because frequently life for us, at least in large portions of it, uh, especially as Americans, is just kind of everyday hard. You know, Uh, nothing too dangerous. Uh, uh, nothing too stressful or life-threatening. I mean, you know, we have to worry about things like paying the bills and, and, and maybe some minor relational issues with, with people or, or family or this type of things, bumps and bruises along the way, but really nothing major or, or life-threatening. Uh, for the most part, we go along and things are fairly easy. But... Then there's those times when something happens. And it's like, wham, your, your feet are just knocked right out from under you and you find yourself tumbling along in this swift current that's taking you who knows where. And your life is threatened or maybe the life of someone you love. And, and it could be physical, right? I mean, maybe it's a, a completely unexpected announcement from your doctor. Or you get that phone call in the middle of the night saying your child's been in an accident. These are the things that kind of rock your world. But, but usually, it's just not a threat to your physical life, but just your, your life, right? Uh, this life that you thought you had or that you thought you should have. I mean, after all... Didn't Jesus say that I came that they may have life and have it abundantly, right? And and we all want that life. We, We expect that life, but instead we find out life is tough. And sometimes these really, really hard things happen. And it throws us for a loop. Maybe you're Marriage is not quite the smooth, romantic ride you thought it would be. A child wanders off the straight and narrow and breaks your heart. Your finances just fall to pieces and you're not sure what's going to happen next. uh, Another Christian uh, may fail you or, or even betray you. Your job may stink, but you feel completely trapped in it. And, you know, on and on the list goes. And it takes 
a great deal of courage to face those things and to handle them in a biblical and godly way as followers of Jesus Christ. And maybe the first step in being courageous is understanding why it is, right, that we need it, why life is hard. See, a common misperception that is out there is that, you know, once you become a child of God, yeah, you, you're, you're supposed to get that abundant life that Jesus promised, and that means that everything is going to go well for you, that it's all going to be good. You should have health. You should have wealth. You, you should have a prosperity in every aspect of life. And, and as enticing as that sounds, that's not what the Bible teaches, even though there are many false teachers out there trying to proclaim that. You know, everybody likes to quote that statement about the abundant life that I quoted earlier, right? We like to hang our hat on that and say, oh, we're supposed to have the abundant life. And, and it is good. We need to understand what Jesus means when he said that. But did you notice that when I quoted that, I only quoted part of Jesus' statement? That's what the three little dots at the beginning are for. It shows you that I left part of the verse off. And and so here's what the entire sentence says. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. So Jesus did come to offer abundant life. But we need to understand that that life is an opposed life. There is a, a thief out there who doesn't want you to experience that abundant life in Christ. And this thief, obviously, that, that Jesus is talking about is the devil. And the devil is actively working to steal, kill, and destroy. See, the truth is, we're in a war. And that abundant life that that Jesus gives us is a gift, but because it is actively opposed, oftentimes you have to fight courageously to experience its fullness. This was the understanding that Esther needed to get to, right? She was not on the outside of the battle just because of her position as queen. Even as we are not on the outside of the battle simply because of our position as children of God. And if we miss the fact that we're in a war, we could inadvertently you know, misinterpret so many things that happen to us in our life. Why is this bad thing happening to me? And, and therefore, we might think wrong thoughts towards God. I guess God doesn't love me. I guess God doesn't care. I guess God's uh, uh, just left me out to dry. Or maybe we'll think wrong thoughts about ourselves, especially based on some false teachings out there. I guess I I just didn't have enough faith to, to keep this bad thing from happening to me. You see, difficulties they don't come into our life because God abandoned us or because God doesn't care or because you couldn't muster up uh, enough faith. Bad things happen because we're in a war. And on a battlefield, junk happens. 
and it takes courage to be able to face it and to be able to respond to it biblically and, and then keep moving forward. And, and once, once Esther was convinced uh, of this reality by Mordecai, well, then she made the courageous choice to do her part. And, and you see, knowing that we're in a battle, I think that's the first step uh, towards courage. But then from Esther here, I, I think we can see three other factors that, that bolster and build courage in, into our own life. And, and the first of those factors, I believe, comes from that final statement she makes when she finally accedes and, and does what Mordecai asks her to do. And she says, and if I perish, I perish. I, I do not believe that that was some simple state, you know, stoic statement, right? Of, well, if it happens, it happens. Or, or even that case, hurrah, hurrah, that whatever will be, will be, you know, type of idea. It wasn't just a, a resignation to whatever will be type of thing. Instead, I believe that this was a, a firm declaration of giving herself to the will of God. It was an acknowledgement that, that God was in control and, and then she would be content with whatever the results were, believing that those results, whatever they may be as she moves forward, were exactly what God had planned and desired. And really, I think that's the only sure foundation from which we can live a life of bold obedience. So factor number one, to build courage in your life, you have to put your trust in God. Now, we know King David, uh, he, he knew a little bit about what it meant to be courageous, right? He, he expressed it this way in Psalm 31. Be strong and let your heart take courage, all you who hope in the Lord. We can find courage for our hearts when we fix our hope upon God. And that, that word hope could be translated, can also be translated as fix your trust or as you rely upon God. When you know that God is the one who acts and is in control and that your life belongs to Him, you can be courageous. And, and part of the reason that gives us courage is because we know that in God, it, our hope for Him is not in just this life only, Right? But, but in the life to come. There is e e eternity, and it's waiting for us after this world. And, and, and so like Esther, we're able to say, if I perish, I perish. Not, not flippantly as if it doesn't matter, because it does matter, right? I mean, uh, w we care. Uh, and God designed us and built us that way. But we can say it with confidence because we know that with God... What comes next is far better than what we have here. That's, that's what the Apostle Paul figured out, and that's why he was able to say, for to me, to live is Christ. I'm going to be bold. I'm going to live for Jesus Christ. To die is gain. It, it, it's far better what comes up. And, and so it gave him courage to understand this truth. So factor number one, right? Courage is built by, by putting your hope, your trust in God. And then factor two is very similar to that. It moves on. Uh, for building courage in our lives, we need to understand that God is sovereign over the battles. It's not unpredictable. It's not like, 
oh, we're not sure. Uh, we may not be from our perspective sure what's going to happen, but God knows, and He is in control of those things. And, and this factor obviously helps with factor number one because it's a lot easier to put your trust in God when you know that God is in control and sovereign over these events, every single battle that you face. And that truth was emphasized to Esther, right, when Mordecai said, hey, if you don't do anything, God's still going to act and God's going to do His thing, but He wants, you know, to use you. He's, he's, he's got this plan. And, and so uh, God was sovereign over it. Even though the Jews were not yet in, a, in an actual fighting battle, they, they were in a, a war for their lives. And Mordecai believed that God was sovereign over that battle. He would provide the deliverance that those people needed to use. And that is what gives courage to do our part, which is what Esther then uh, was able to see from him. You know, the, the commander of King David's army, he, he recognized this truth when, when he was preparing his men for battle. He said, be strong and let us show ourselves courageous for the sake of our people and for the cities of our God and may the Lord do what is good in his sight. You see, where was the basis, the foundation for their courage there? It was from the fact that God was going to do what was good. And they, they, they had believed that God was... Um, I was going to say God was on their side, but they were on the side of God doing what he wanted to do. And so therefore, they, they had their courage. And that's what gives us courage. The outcome of the battle is dependent upon God, and therefore, we can be courageous in it. And I know in my own life, there's been times where I've just kind of wimped out in this whole area of being courageous, maybe in, in sharing my faith or, or really stepping out and doing what God's called me to do. Be, and every time I wimp out, it's because I'm forgetting that, it, that it's God who is sovereign over the affairs and the hearts of men. It's not up to me or my abilities or how good I think I can do. God just, just calls us to be faithful to Him. And so we don't have to worry about the outcome events. That's in God's hand. Now that's a position for building courage when you're facing a battle. And I, I don't know what battle you might be facing now. It could be physical. It could be cancer or, or some other breakdown of the body or, or just this, this persistent pain. It could be a broken relationship or a, a betrayal by a friend, an unexpected job loss, an antagonistic coworker that you just don't know how to deal with or, or maybe a family member who who mocks your faith and just tears you down. Whatever the battle is, it's these two first, uh, first two factors are keys to building courage and, and being able to face it. You can trust God in that situation and with the outcome because you know He is sovereign. And that leads into factor number three, courage True biblical spiritual courage is built by prayer. And we looked at this a little bit last week when, when we saw, you know, Esther made her decision uh, that she was going to do it, but, but before she was going to proceed, she called for not only herself and, and her closest friends, but for all the Jews uh, to, to do three days of fasting so that they would 
she could pray and, and they could pray for her because with the Jew, fasting was always tied together with prayer. Did you ever wonder what exactly it was that she spent three days praying for? I mean, I think our mind right away goes for safety, right? Oh, please, God, don't let me die, right? I think that might be the way we would be praying, but, but I really don't think that was in her prayers. Or I, probably it was in there, but that wasn't at the top or the, the main priority, the main focus, because she had already come to that position of, of total trust in God. If I, if I perish, I perish. I know I'm, I'm in His hands. So she was already there. Maybe uh, she was praying for wisdom, right? God, I, I know I need to do this, but I don't know really the best way to take these steps forward. Please, please show me how to, how to approach this and do this. I, I think that may have been a part of her prayer. And, and as we move into chapter 5 next week, we'll see her strategy and, and how that, that worked out. But I think really at the, at the top of her prayer list was a desire for courage. She came to that point. Mordecai talked her into it, right? She knew what she had to do. But man, pulling through and doing it was going to be tough. It was going to be scary. And so I, I have to believe that she was praying for courage. And if you're wanting to be more courageous, seeking spiritual courage in your life, I mean, prayer is the key to building it. I, I, I think most of us, again, going back to King David, would probably view King David as a very courageous guy, right? I mean, you know, as a child, he, he protected uh, his sheep, a herd of sheep uh, from a lion or bear by aggressively attacking them to, to, to ward them off. As a, a young man, young lad, he, he faced Goliath with nothing but a sling. As an adult man, he courageously led his troops into the heat of the most fierce battles. I mean, he was a courageous man, and yet look at what he wrote in Psalm 138. On the day I called, you answered me. You made me bold with strength in my soul. Boy, doesn't that sound good? Wouldn't you like God to make you bold with strength in your soul? I'm convinced that a great deal of our spiritual wimpiness comes from the fact that we don't even bother praying for courage and boldness. In, In fact, perhaps... Because of the influence of our American culture, we do just the opposite, right? We pray for comfort and safety. When's the last time you prayed, God, make me bold. Give me courage to truly follow you. If Esther, as I believe, was praying for courage... Obviously worked, right? I mean, as we move into chapter 5, going against the, the social uh, norms of that time for women approaching men, and then especially specifically going against the laws of the kingdom to go in uh, uh, to the king, we read in verse 1, Now it came about on the third day that Esther put on her royal robes and stood in the inner court of the king's palace in front of the king's rooms, and the king was sitting on his royal throne in the throne room opposite the entrance of the palace. 
she went in. She stood in the inner court. She put herself at risk, a place where it was unlawful for anyone to come without the express invitation of the king. And she realized the time for praying was over and the time to act had come. She had to act on her belief that God was sovereign and that she could trust him. And that's really the thing about true courage. There comes a time when we must act. When it's time to to get off the knees and to move forward believing that God has heard your prayers and knowing that He is sovereign and the outcome of the battle is up to Him and you just have to do what you know God has called you to do. And whatever His will is, you have to be okay with that. And I'm sure as Esther moved into that court, her heart was pounding, her palms were sweating. She didn't know which way this was going to go, but she knew she had to do what God had called. That's courage. And she had that courage because she prayed, because she believed God was sovereign, because she trusted Him. Those three things will give you courage in whatever battle you're facing. So where's the point of attack for you right now? Where do you need courage? Are you trusting God? Are you believing that He's sovereign over the results? And are you praying for courage? Let's go to prayer. Father God, again, we thank you for the examples that we find in Scripture of ordinary people, people just like us. God, may we, may we be these people who would seek you in trusting you and in, in, in knowing and understanding that you are sovereign and in control and that we would pray for courage because that's how we want to act. So God, we just ask for you to move in our hearts today. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.